This is CounselCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hello, everyone. I'm Tom Shapiro. I am the founder and CEO of Stratabeat, which is a digital marketing agency. We do everything from SEO to content development, content marketing, to account-based marketing and conversion optimization. I've been in the digital space for a really, really long time. Uh, my, the first website that I developed was several years before Google even existed. <laughs> so lots of stories to share with you, lots of recommendations for you. I've seen the digital space evolve quite a bit over time. And uh, so earlier this year, one of the things which I'm very excited to share with you is that I published a book. It's called Rethink Lead Generation, Advanced Strategies to Generate More Leads for Your Business. And it's all about how you achieve more leads organically, right? So instead of paying to play, instead of paying for a click, instead of renting an audience, how can you do it organically through content, through SEO, through account-based marketing, through referrals and things like that? Tom, thank you so much. I'm already writing down things that I want to get back to just from your intro. This is going to be a great conversation because everything that you're describing tends to be kind of confusing and different messages coming out about SEO, lead generation, content, all of these different things. You hear so many mixed messages, especially law firms, because their budgets are usually the biggest. And so they have the biggest potential for scam artists. Let's just be blunt. There's a lot of scam artists in the marketing world. And I go back probably almost as far as you do in terms of the internet as well. So I, I feel like to start out with, we could we could tell some stories about Napster and Netscape. <laughs> and like, did you build websites with the page builders and like HTML where you're like embedding where the you'd have the static left menu and then it would sort of build on the right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did all of that. So yeah, it started with HTML, just coding it up by hand. But then um, we actually helped Dreamweaver. If you remember Dreamweaver. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we helped Dreamweaver go to market and go global. I used to teach Dreamweaver classes. That's amazing. Nice, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So it was Macromedia at the time before Adobe bought them. And they were they were great clients. Yeah, I feel like that was the downfall too. It was better when it was Macromedia. Do you feel that way? Or do you think it got better when Adobe bought it? Yeah, no, we, we loved Macromedia. We loved everyone there. We loved their products. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, did Adobe buy the entire Macromedia company or does that company, that doesn't, it doesn't exist at all anymore, right? Correct. Macromedia? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So we are dating ourselves, but I feel like we are building our expertise. Because <laughs> like I can look at, I actually had a client site pop up that was something we built like over 10 years ago. And I was trying to find some stuff for them just this morning and looking back through passwords and even just the way we set it up. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like a foreign language. <laughs> like I don't even know what we were doing 10 years ago. And then sadly, the website is still the same 10 years later. Yeah, organizations need to update their website <laughs> every now and then. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
Right. We should maybe come back to that. This is not how to do your website. It is not a set it and then, you know, try to dig around and find passwords 10 years later kind of experience. But what we're going to talk about, I think it ties into your book, it ties into your experience, and it also ties into what people are, the questions people are asking about this. So the big question is, how can law firms rethink lead generation? And lead generation can mean so many different things. Just that part of it alone in terms of law firms and what their goals are and what they're trying to get out of their website and what that actual lead can can be. Sometimes it's, you know, a new case and whatever. Sometimes they're really lead generation is not quite the the angle they're looking more for just building their reputation and things like that on their on their website but i would say the ma- vast majority of firms we work with they are looking for traffic that converts to calls or emails that convert to a new case and they're looking at those numbers and how to grow those numbers so first of all let's talk about the rethink part of the question. First of all, why should they rethink it? Why should they be doing anything different than what they're doing now? Right. Everyone is overloaded with marketing messages today. And so you have so many different law firms sending out so many different messages all the time. And so the average individual, no matter which part of the country it is, has at least uh, is encountering at least 5,000 marketing messages a day. It's just insane how much information overload people are dealing with. And so necessarily, if you want your message to cut through all the clutter and all the noise, you really do need to rethink what you're doing because if you're simply following best practices, and I know that a lot of law firms follow marketing best practices, right? Well, the problem with that is that you wind up in this sea of sameness, right? It's just this ocean of mediocrity. Everyone's doing it the same exact way. There's no differentiation. Your message is not cutting through and reaching people and resonating on a deep level, uh, certainly not resonating on a subconscious level. And so... It just feels so comfortable, though. I feel like lawyers' job is to mitigate risk and to avoid the risk. And this feels risky and uncomfortable to do things differently. So why? I mean, I I talk about this all the time, too, and I, I know what my answer is. But why should they not kind of do that comfortable thing that where they see other people? Because if it's working for that other guy, why shouldn't it work for me? Yeah, the problem is, is that it's probably only working okay for the other guy. And, and again, it, you know, everyone is driving toward this mean of mediocrity. And that's actually what's riskiest for your law firm. So there have been many studies done on the one thing, the only thing about your law firm that could never be commoditized. There's only one thing that could never be commoditized about your law firm. And that is your creativity. So, and there, there have been many, many different studies done on the impact of creativity on business performance. Uh, and this is across industries. And so McKinsey, right? The, the management consulting firm has done multiple studies through multiple years. And what they've found is that companies that really prioritize creativity and integrate it into what they're, all of their marketing grow at twice the rate of other organizations. 
So what does that mean? Because I feel like when we're talking about creativity and you start getting into these sort of soft skill ideas and we're tying it to lead generation, all of a sudden we went from talking about numbers and money to talking about sitting around in a boardroom with some crayons and, you know, like things like that. And there, and th- it doesn't need to be like that. Like, how can we talk about creative thinking? We also talk about design thinking a lot in, in terms of, I had a great episode a while ago with Laura Hartnett about design thinking and she really cracked that open about what does that mean in terms of the kind of business thinking? So, you know, not that uncomfortable thing where a lot of clients come to me and initially they're like, I'm not creative, I'm not artistic. And it's like, okay, that's not what we're talking about. This is not a, you know, putting together marketing is not an art project. This is, this is a business project. So how can they be creative in that business category? Everything can be very, very professional, extremely professional and business-like. So yeah, being creative does not mean being silly. It does not. (laughs) And a lot of people confuse that. Being creative means thinking outside the box. It means thinking laterally. It means surprising people with the way that, that you're presenting information or the information you're presenting and just doing things in a different way than say other law firms that you're competing against for attention. And so for instance, you know, some of the things that we've done with organizations is, you know, a company came to us and they said, Hey, we, you know, we want to do a two minute video. And the more that we probed and asked them questions, it sounded like every other video out there. And so we said, well, what, if, what if we did a documentary with you? You know, you have fantastic people. You have amazing people. They have amazing backgrounds. It's just talking with you on the phone is so interesting and compelling. This would translate really well. And it's the whole human factor, right? And so we did. Ten, you know, it wasn't an hour long, but it was a 10-minute documentary-style video. So that was one way of doing it. Another was we wound up targeting the exact organizations that we wanted to reach and we created custom videos for every single organization. So in other words, each video could only have been sent to one organization in the entire world, right? And, and, and that had a phenomenal success rate. Uh, for another organization, we created custom knowledge hubs. So we created over 100 custom knowledge hubs and launched them all on the same day. Each one was for a different organization. And what we do is we, we call it customization at scale. And the more that you can be thinking, yes, I I want to reach many people, but I want them to feel special. I want them to understand, right, that that this is a custom message for them. And that can be one-to-one, or it could be one-to-some, or it could be one-to-many. That's fine, but you need to segment your audience, right, and then speak to them in a way that really resonates. The more that you can be engaging with them on a subconscious level, the better, because our brains They process 11 million bits of sensory information every second on a subconscious level and only 40 to 60 bits per second on a conscious level. So we we are creatures of the subconscious. And the more that you can be evoking an emotional response, the more that you can be hitting multiple senses, the more that you can be engaging with them on that subconscious level, the more powerful your marketing is going to be. Okay, so let's talk, let's dig into that because I have an example that I feel like you could speak to. You know, very analytical client lawyers who look at a website and want to strip all the photos off of it because they feel like they're... For those of you listening, he just made a great face. <laughs> <laughs> because they feel like the photos are getting in the way of their words. Speak to that in terms of that that subconscious processing, that emotional connection, and why those are just as, if not more, important than their words. 
Yeah, so we've done a lot of studies on this. So in the realm of behavioral intelligence, what we do is we study how people navigate through websites and the experience that they have through the website. So we're reading their digital body language. We can see when they're frustrated. We can see when they're happy and having a good experience, when it's intuitive, or when they have what we call friction, right? Like there's something about the experience that's not right. They don't like it. They're not paying attention. They're losing interest. They're going to abandon their journey on your website. And so we use technology to look at everything that they are doing. And these, this is not in a lab. This is not test subjects. These are actual live site visitors that were, were either looking at their clicks, how far down they're scrolling on the page, or we might be looking at where they're paying attention on the page. And, and we also look at video recordings, actual video recordings of their sessions. We can't see them or anything like that, but we can see exactly everything that's going on on the screen. And so what's really interesting uh, about that is we can see whether someone is getting bogged down because you have too many words on the page. If you have just reams and reams of content on the page and no photos, people will abandon the page very, very quickly. They will not read that. And what's happening? I mean, because I think I feel like you could also speak to that in terms of that subconscious processing. Why? Why is that? Why are they abandoning it? Because it seems like, hey, you've got questions. We have answers, and let me show you the answers. And then I've got sub answers, and I've got you know sub answers to those sub answers. And so, why would you not hire me? Because I have those answers, and here they are in this one page that's got seven thousand words of content. <laughs> Right. So think of this. So there have been neuroscientific studies showing that people's brains, their, their minds, wander between like 30 to 70% of the time, right? And combine that with the fact that we're all dealing with information overload. And so our brains are actually looking, seeking ways to dismiss information. Once the brain detects that we're safe and it's predictable what's coming next, then we don't have to pay attention anymore. And we lose interest and we abandon whatever focus we have. And so if you're on a page that is just reams and reams of content and your brain is detecting this pattern, it's a pattern, right, of just, okay, paragraph after paragraph after paragraph after paragraph, your brain shuts down. It, doesn't, it just doesn't want to read like that. It doesn't want to spend time like that. It doesn't want to exert any energy towards that because the brain is saying, oh, you're safe. Just ignore it. <laughs> And then it's back to the old brain of fight or flight, right? And, and once your brain decides that there, you can predict everything that you're going to see for the rest of the page, no matter how far down you scroll, that's when you lose interest. It's just a natural human inclination that this is how we behave digitally. And so one of the things that's very effective is surprising someone. So if you can surprise them and they weren't expecting to see that photo and then they weren't expecting to see a video next or they didn't know it was going to be a video next and then, oh, hey, a call to action. They didn't know that. And so you keep mixing it up and their experience is one of surprise, 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 surprise as they scroll down the page. That's how you hook them. That's how you engage them. So I'm guessing you don't mean surprises by like those animated gifts that we used to use in the early days of the internet, like the, the spinning hamsters. <laughs> 
I feel like it, it, we needed to throw in like a, a throwback to, <laughs> to the old internet days. <laughs> because yeah, because I feel like some some people it's so counterintuitive that they're like surprise like what do you mean by that? Do you mean like you know flashing colors and spinning hamsters and all of that? But you don't mean that. You mean surprise the logical thought process where they assume what's coming next. Exactly. So uh, the neuroscientist, Carmen Simon, calls the brain a prediction engine, right? And then a surprise is, is like a, a, a prediction breakdown, right? And so, the, but that's the key to engagement. That's the key to memory is you want to disrupt the pattern, right? You want to disrupt the pattern. And that's a way of cutting through all the noise out there. Because yes, you have lots of things to say, but so do other law firms. They have just as much to say as you do. And so it's not about how much you throw up on the page. It's not, right? It's, it's how you do it and how you engage with them and how, right, how you communicate with them is so much more important than just throwing up you know, reams and reams and reams of text. I feel like that is the critical difference that we're talking about in complete, like the whole big picture question that we're asking in terms of rethinking and kind of backing up. It's not start over. It's not reinvent the wheel. It's just rethink it. It's kind of like redirect, kind of back up and turn, you know, 20 to 30 degrees to the left where you're not, like you said, you're not just putting out a whole new kind of content it's how you're doing it. It's not just putting your entire resume, every order of the quaff that you got in law school, every, you know, all of those ridiculous things that nobody cares about or even knows what they are. It's really connecting and re-engaging on, a, on that surprising level. I think that's so important. That's why I'm reiterating it so that people make sure they got that. Okay, so what else, what else do we need to rethink in terms of lead generation? You were talking about lateral thinking. What is that? So <laughs> lateral thinking is instead of taking the logical steps to a conclusion, you know, you have a challenge and you think logically, step one, step two, step three, instead you try and work from different frameworks. So here's, here's a framework that I used with a colleague of mine at a prior agency. Okay, so this was also a digital marketing agency. And at the time, our agency, when I joined the agency, the way that we would generate leads was we would attend large events. So these were events with thousands of people who would attend and we would have a large booth, right? And, you know, it could be a trade show, could be, you know, an annual meeting of an association, could be a conference. But the, the whole idea was that you and 30 or 50 of your competitors would all be exhibiting right next to each other. So someone comes up and they start talking to you and they're a great prospect and they have a two, three minute conversation with you. You're very excited. Guess what? They're now going to go and have that same conversation with the person next to you and then the competitor next to them and the competitor next to them. And they're going to have 30 conversations all like yours. <laughs> Maybe you were brilliant, but it's really hard to fight through that. And it's hard to be memorable through 30 competing conversations. Exactly. I was just going to add your whoever's the last person they talk to is the one they're going to call because that's the only one they're going to remember. Like that, that's just too much. There's too much going on and your memory doesn't it can't take all that <laughs> it's information overload. It's information. And so what do we do when we when we're faced with information overload? We forget stuff. Right? That's what happens. We forget it because that's the only way we can survive. Right. And so anyway, so back to the point of lateral thinking. So we were faced with that. That was the model of marketing at the agency. And so myself and a colleague said, this framework of what if we do the opposite? 
And this is a framework I love to work from, and it's a great lateral thinking framework. And it and sometimes, you know, what you come up with at first sounds ridiculous. Sounds like it would never work in a million years. But then you start thinking about it and you say, yeah, what if we did that? And why not? Why not? And so we worked from this framework of what if we did the opposite? So we said, instead of trying to get in front of thousands of people with 30 of our competitors right next to us, what if we just got in front of the people who mattered most? So it could be a few people, right? And no competitors. And we, we completely owned the environment. So we said, hey, instead of going to their events, instead of going to industry events, let's host our own. And so we, so we, book, so we booked a room at the House of Blues. So we made it super fun, right? Super exciting. Lots of great food, lots of great alcohol. And we had 10 people. So we invited the people we wanted to come, right? So the organizations we wanted to work with most, we invited them. We had 10 people show up to that first event. We had someone from Google, you know, speak at the event, right? You know, we're, we were a digital marketing agency. And so we made it very special, right? We went all in, even though it was only 10 people, we walked away with a multi-million dollar contract that evening and a six-figure contract. And we did it again. Again, we got another multi-million dollar contract. This happened over and over. It became the number one leads driver for the entire agency. We went from 85 employees to over 700 employees in five years. <laughs> and how did you promote it? Were you clear up front that we're inviting you to this cool event, but the goal is clearly that we want to work with you? How was that presented? So we didn't try and sell them on anything. We did not. It was all educational. I mean, it was pretty obvious. We're an agency. We would love to work with them, right? So that was obvious. So there's no need to be salesy. There's no need to ask them anything related to sales. And so we made it just fun. We made it a great experience. We made it an educational experience. This is what we wanted. Instead of the trade show experience where we get to talk to each person for two minutes or three minutes and then never again, we wanted to talk to them for two hours or three hours. Right. And so with only 10 people in the room, we were able to have really, really deep conversations. We were able to really ask why many times. And this is another another way of uh, conducting lateral thinking is to ask why. Don't just assume you know everything. Right. Ask the person you're talking with why and ask them again and ask them again and ask them again. And you keep digging and digging. And wow, you wind up in a very different place, in a much deeper place, in a much more meaningful place and in a place where you can really affect more change and you can be more helpful. And so if you want to be a trusted advisor, right, if you want that, you know, these smaller types of more intimate events, that was the key. That was the key. And we were the only ones talking to these VPs of marketing or the CMOs in, in this way. All the others, it was much much more shallow than, than what we were experiencing. Totally. Okay. So that's a genius idea. And I love this idea of, I mean, in any kind of marketing, any kind of campaign or anything is looking at where everybody else is and doing something different. Because even from what we started talking about in the beginning, if you're just going to find yourself somewhere in the middle, it's just not going to work. That's just not how marketing works. That's not how even just business strategy in general works. I loved, we studied a lot of the blue ocean strategy during my MBA. And that's basically the idea is go out there, find where everybody else is. And the idea is to, you know, find a different spot so that you can kind of swim upstream and do something different. So I know that you talk a lot about how that lateral thinking can be applied to SEO and lead generation. So bringing it back to lead generation and rethinking SEO and lead gen and all of that stuff. Um, what are your tips for that? 
Yeah, so I can tell you that the SEO results we get are very significant for our clients. And I think one of the reasons is because we approach it very holistically, whereas most of the industry does not. Most of the industry is very tactical. They don't integrate with the rest of marketing. And it's just, oh, I have to check check these boxes off this checklist, right? Yep. I have to send the report. So here's the report. I don't really care. It's not me personally. So here you go. I'm done. I, and I'm going to lunch. <laughs> Uh, one business we started talking with, they said, well, you know, we'd like you to do SEO for us and we'd like you to, you know, own our blog. We'd like you to be blogging for us. And we said, we're not going to write one word and we're not going to do one bit of optimization until you do something major. And that was, we wanted to blow up their website and redo their website. Why? Because we felt that the branding was not professional enough right? It just wasn't resonating with the audience that they wanted to reach. And so, you know, if your law firm website is not quite there yet, instead of, you know, just, just go, 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 get, get, get more leads, get more leads, get more leads. What you might want to do is take a step back and make sure that your website is rock solid, that it is a lead generation machine. It's a lead generation engine, right? Yeah. And you're not just talking about performance, right? Because everyone always comes back to how fast it is, the performance. And we do the same thing. We will not take on a project if I look at that website and I'm like, I can't be successful with this website. I mean, we can do a certain amount of things, but the amount of success is going to be completely hindered by this crappy website. And so the first thing we need to do is is exactly what you're describing. We got to blow it up, start over so that we're setting ourselves up on a path for success as well. Right, right. Absolutely. And so there are no shortcuts. You know, you want to do it right because you'll get the best, biggest results over time. So this nothing, nothing of what I'm saying happens overnight. And, and that's the difference between, say, advertising where, yeah, you can start advertising this afternoon if you want to. Right. But with what I'm talking about, it's an investment. And so you just have to decide strategically, are you going to crush it six months from now, 12 months from now, two years from now? And if you have the patience for that, it really works. So, so the, the company that where we said no, you know, we want to take care of the branding first. We want to take care of the website first. We then went on to grow their organic traffic. So only organic traffic by 7,235% over the next three years. Okay, so why why do you think that mattered? Because I interrupted you a minute ago and said you're not just talking about performance, right? It's this brand experience is a totally different thing. And I feel like this ties back to the subconscious thought processing that you were talking about earlier. So why did that work? It worked because we did deep persona research, right? And so we knew exactly who we were trying to reach. And their website was not resonating with that audience at all. Okay, so what's persona research? Because not everybody even knows what that is. So just like a couple sentences on what, what is that? Sure. So it's understanding your audience and then modeling your audience. So for instance, let's say you have different audience segments. You know, maybe, you know, it, one segment is men and another is women or one is... Um, one is like a DUI client and one is maybe like a drug possession. Let's, let's say you do criminal defense and you do like DUIs, you have a, you know, different kinds of case things, or maybe you are also appealing to like the moms of those kids who are getting DUIs. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you can have multiple personas in one audience segment. Exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, so essentially it's just understanding how they think, what their objectives are at the time and what the challenges are that they're facing. Where do they go for information, 
right? Understanding those types of things so that you can connect with them and resonate with them on a deeper level. And so that's what we were trying to do for this client was stop before we start optimizing and blogging and creating lots of content. Let's make sure that when they arrive, it resonates very strongly and it's going to resonate more deeply than competitors. And that way, when we started optimizing, we started creating all the content, started attracting all the traffic. It was a much better experience, right? Much more likely to convert when they arrive. Yeah. It's like you're just greasing the whole process. Like all of a sudden, it's just they land on it and they instantly, and I describe this all the time. It's that that gut feeling where people say, I'm not quite sure what it was about your website, but I landed on it. I just knew. And that's when you know you're doing it right. And it's not just this crystal ball. It's a lot of work that goes into that gut feeling where all of a sudden you're converting on that psychological level. Right. And you're building trust. You're building trust which is so critical, especially for a lawyer, right? The more that you can be building trust from the get-go, from the start, it just compounds with the experience. They read more and more about what you've done. They see a video of what you've done. And all of a sudden, you know, they start trusting you and they haven't even spoken to you yet. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's amazing. So I feel like the short kind of summary of that whole section in terms of the lateral thinking and lead generation and SEO is to take that step back and look at the big picture strategy and how you're really appealing to those people once they land on your site. And then what happens once they land on your site? You know, are you kind of addressing their thoughts and feelings and concerns and you know all of those kinds of things? Or are you only speaking to Google? The problem with that is that then Google lands on your website and Google's not your client. (laughs) So who cares from that point? (laughs) That's okay. I mean, you know, you can absolutely create content that speaks very deeply to your audience and does a very effective job of optimizing for Google. You do not have to compromise. And that's a big fallacy out there. You know, there are a lot of writers out there who overly optimize, right? It's uh, they really write for Google and it's so obvious. And therefore, those site visitors don't convert. They don't want to call you. They don't want to talk to you because they don't trust you. It's so obvious that this content isn't good. It's just it feels crappy. It feels crappy, right? And you can just sense it. You can just sense it. And then as a potential client, you assume that's the feeling that that lawyer is going to give you. So if they're giving me this feeling in this blog content and it's crappy and it doesn't feel trustworthy, then of course, I assume that when I walk through your door, it's going to be all the same. I mean, it's just that's the logical next step. Right. It's a representation of who you are. Your website is a representation of who you are. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So Tom... It is time for the book review. <laughs> so what, um, I know you you mentioned it earlier, so this is a great throwback as well. So you have a good book that kind of ties all this, this together, and you had some references to it earlier. So what's the book that you have to recommend today? Yeah, I would recommend this book. It's called Impossible to Ignore. I love it. I love it. I return to it over and over and over and, you know, scribbles everywhere, post-it notes, markers, pen marks, everything, dog ears. So it's written by uh, the neuroscientist Carmen Simon, who I mentioned earlier. So it is about memory. It is how do you communicate in a way that makes your message more memorable? How can you get more people to remember your message longer, which is critical for any lawyer? Absolutely. 
Yeah. And it's critical for any business owner, too. And so when you consider your law firm in terms of business and growth and lead generation and how you're going to make it work and profitable, you have to start with the strategy that's going to keep you top of mind so that when people need that kind of thing, they remember. And I think that's that sounds really cool to think of it in ter- from the neuroscientist. So is it full of like good stats and all, all of that, you know, good studies and <laughs> all that good stuff? Yeah, that's what I love. Yeah, the study stories. Yeah, the stats. She has all of that in there. It's an amazing book. And it's fun to read, right? It's an enjoyable read. So it's not this academic tune that, you know, you just have to suffer through. It's it's really enjoyable. And I, I strongly recommend it. Yeah. So if it's a book on memory, and you have it there with the post-it notes... I feel like you shouldn't even need the post-it notes and the book there. I feel like you it should, by definition, just be stuck in your brain and accessible at all times. So she makes it she makes it pretty easy to remember what her main points are and the main stories. But uh, it's always it's always fantastic to go back and review it and refresh your memory. But it's not like you forget the story. It's like oh. I know I put that post-it note on the story about, you know, how do you get people to remember things when when typically, like, they only remember 10% of what you said. You know, how can you get them to memorize, uh, remember, you know, many times more than that? So, you know, you can jump right to that story. No, I, I'm just giving you a hard time, obviously, but that sounds great. You remember that she is your resource, and that is the book to go to, and that's the main thing. You need people, you lawyers need people to remember that you are the resource, and you are the go-to person, and you don't need people to remember the minutia of it. You just need people to remember you, and that you know the equivalent of that book is sitting there, and I've got it post, you know, the post-it in there somewhere, and I'm going to go find that. And she's going to be the resource for me, you know, that author. So that's what we're all going for, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And one interesting thing that she brings up specifically that you had asked about earlier was if a law firm website has a lot of text on the page and, and the, you know, the lawyers are, are putting up a fight because they, they want to keep it there. They don't want images. They don't want video. So she points out that with text-based communication, people are only going to remember 10%. They will only remember 10% if it's text-based, right? And so what you need to do is disrupt the pattern or you need to you know, introduce images or video or something, right? You have to disrupt it. It can't just be all text. Otherwise, they are going to remember very little of what you wrote. Even though what you wrote might be brilliant, might be brilliant, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And at the end of the day, when they're thinking back, okay, I needed a lawyer for XYZ and I looked at these five websites they're thinking of hiring the person. They're not thinking of hiring the things that you did or the experiences that you had. So when they think back, they're going to think, oh, I want to hire the guy that had that cool picture with the green tie or whatever. And they're going to remember that visually. They're not going to remember those words that you put on the page. Some of those words might help to convince. But if you don't have the visuals there to support it, you're just kind of shooting yourself in the foot in terms of the memory of it. That's right. That's right. And, you know, also think of the way that you're communicating your information. Like if it's all dry, they will remember less of it, right? If you wrap it in a story, they are 22 times more likely to remember it. Oh, I love that. And I feel like that's a hesitation a lot of lawyers have in their bios. They do the bullet points and whatever. But anytime you talk about your experiences and the cases in terms of stories, everyone will remember that stuff. Yes. Everyone remembers stories. Our, our brains are hardwired to remember stories. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So Tom, what's a big takeaway that you'd like people to get from the episode today? Sure. I would love everyone to understand that best practices don't work. Best practices are a dead end. Don't, don't just look for website best practices or marketing best practices or digital marketing best practices. Actually avoid them. Run away. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually a very high search term. Like people actually do search this stuff all the time. Yeah. And so, you know, don't be afraid to cut through all the noise, to be a little different, to maybe tell more stories than other law firms, right? Maybe you have more visuals than other law firms. Maybe your website is gorgeous, which is very different than a lot of law firms, right? And maybe you're looking to connect with them on a subconscious level. Maybe you're trying to evoke an emotional response sometimes, right? Go down, you know, the the path that you've never been down and test, just try different things. And you may hit upon certain things. Think about my story where we just tried going with smaller, more intimate events, right? Where we can speak to our prospects more deeply. And it was a a huge, huge success. It changed everything for the firm. And so something like that may happen for you too. It may not happen on the first test or the second test, but eventually it could happen. And it's not going to happen if you're following best practices, because then you're just doing what every other law firm on the market is doing. And I'm sorry, just why would you want to do everything that your competitors are doing? Like why? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because it seems like the easy answer. I mean, to be totally blunt, it just seems like, oh, I don't know how to think about this. I don't feel like I have the time for this. So I'm just going to go with the easy answer. But I love your point about testing and that it might not happen on the first or second test. So recognize that when you're trying to swim upstream and find that different angle, maybe the first try will not be successful. And that's okay. You're still testing. You're still doing something different, but make sure that you test so that you can measure it. And so that when you know, when you actually hit it (laughs) so that you, you know, you know that this is not like, once again, this is not this creative art project with us sitting around with crayons. This is a business practice. It should be measurable and you should have results and it should tie into your revenue and your, you know, all of your business side of things. So Definitely do something different, but test and make sure that you've got it once you get it figured out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tom Shapiro is the CEO of Stratabeat, a digital marketing agency. And thank you so much for being here. That was such a great conversation. I know there was just a million little nuggets of great value in there that people will walk away with such good stuff. So thanks again for being here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.